0: 1 Peter chapter 5. Therefore, as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of the Messiah, and also a participant in the glory about to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of of compulsion, but freely, according to God's will, not for the money, but eagerly not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. In the same way, you younger men, be subject to the elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble." Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your care on him, because he cares about you. Be serious. Be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him and be firm in the faith knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. Now the God of all grace, who calls you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will personally restore, establish, strengthen and support you after you have suffered a little. The dominion belongs to him forever. Amen. I've written to you this brief letter through Sylvanus, I know him to be a faithful brother. I've written to encourage you and to testify that this is the true grace of God. Take your stand in it. The church in Babylon, also chosen, sends you greetings, as does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. This is the word of the Lord. thought I'd come to you tonight.
1: <laughs> it's all these good seats here. I mean, this is like, did you not buy a business class? It's, anyway, that's all right. That's first class. No, it's very expensive. Oh, well, that's all right. Too scared you might get a kiss of love from the front. No, no, no. Uh, let's get into this part of God's Word. I hope you've got 1 Peter 5 open there before you. I want you to get a picture in your heads as we head into this part of God's Word. That's the picture of a shepherd with a flock of sheep. Um, which he cares for very much. Um, they're actually a pretty rubbish flock of sheep. They were all going to be slaughtered, turned into dog food, because they're pretty rubbish sheep. But, uh, but for some reason, this shepherd really valued them. He paid a very high price for them. He purchased them from the place where they're all going to be killed, the abattoir, and, uh, and now he's, he's got them, and he's walking with them back to his property. It's a long walk. It's, it's a really long walk. And along the way, they come across all sorts of of, of land, um, some beautiful Luscious, verdant valleys, soft on the hooves, quiet waters, and some really rubbish land. Some really just dry, barren, difficult parts of the journey. And the sheep are thirsty, parched. They're doubtful that they should really keep going. But with them, they've got their shepherd with them. And they know that their shepherd really cares for them. Um, And and the shepherd keeps reminding them of where they're going on this journey. Um, They're going back to his property. And it's going to be more wonderful than they can even imagine. And so with with their shepherd with them, um, they feel secure and loved. And with this hope before them, they, they feel kind of hopeful about the future. And so they walk on and on and on with their shepherd. This is kind of the Christian life. This is a way of thinking about the Christian life. This is kind of what uh, 1 Peter has been about. He told us at the beginning that, that Jesus has rescued us, our shepherd, from the slaughter, effectively, from sin, by, the precious, by his precious, precious blood. Um, and now he, he's leading us, he's with us, he's staying with us, taking us all the way to glory, So we share with Jesus in his suffering, the difficult times, but we share with Jesus in his glorious future. That's what Peter has been, the journey he's been taking us on. And he ends with one big command. And then we'll see that three other commands kind of fit in with that. But, But all the while of giving these commands, he keeps taking us back to this bigger story, that we've got a great future ahead of us, and we've got our wonderful shepherd who's with us all the way along. So I'm going to try to take us through that kind of journey. Uh, the first big command is right there in verse 12, chapter 5, verse 12. It's, it's kind of his whole point of writing at all. So look, look with me at chapter 5, verse 12. He says, I've written you this brief letter through Silvanus to encourage you and to testify that this is the true grace of God. Take your stand in it. What I've been trying to say, everyone, is, is the true grace of God. That's what I've been laying out before you. Stand in it, he says. Take your stand in it. That's the one big thing. Why is he so kind of, um, you know, serious about this? It's kind of like Braveheart-esque. Take your stand. What's, why? Well, because there's lions around. And that leads us to the first command that sort of hangs off that big one. That that command is the first way we stand firm is resist the devil. Look at me at verse 8 and 9. Verse 8, he says, Be serious, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him and be firm in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. I wonder if you believe that. The devil is prowling around like a roaring lion. Do you believe that? My wife, uh, when she was a bit younger, was uh, once got lost in the bush, and uh, as the, the sun was going down, her dad came along and rescued her. She was absolutely terrified, and said, "Darling, why are you so terrified?" She said, "I was scared the lions were going to eat me." Um, and he he spent a while trying to convince her, "There's no lions in Australia, darling. There's no lions." Um, she asked me to tell you that she, she was five when that happened, so don't get the wrong idea. But, but, but she was—he was wrong in a sense, wasn't he? She was right. There's a lion in our country, alive and active. Do you believe it? The devil is prowling around like a lion, looking for anyone. Anyone, he can devour. You don't see him very much. He's very good at camouflage. Lions are good at camouflage. Um, but you feel him when you suffer for being a Christian. You'll hear him when life's tough and you start having those thoughts of, how come I'm the only one who's suffering? Or you'll hear him when you get those doubts of, if Jesus is Lord, why, why is he letting this happen? Or, does, does he really love me? You know, is, is this really true? You're those doubts. The devil wants you to have those doubts. He really does. He wants to take you down. He wants you to to, to give up and walk away from Jesus. I wonder, do you believe that, though? Do you believe the devil is prowling? If so, be serious. Be serious about your faith. Don't be naive. Don't muck around with your faith. Be alert. On the lookout. And take your stand. Take your stand in the true grace of God. Not the false grace, not the false grace that says, trust in Jesus and your life will be rosy and he will be your life coach and bring all of your ideals into reality. There's the false grace of God. Take your stand in the true grace of God that Peter's been laying out for us week after week. Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, at the fiery trial as if something was unusual was happening to you, chapter four. So remember that you walk with Jesus and you will suffer with Jesus. And you'll be raised up with Jesus. Take a stand in the true grace of God. Stand firm against the lion. Especially if you know that you're weak. You know how lions work, don't you? They pick pick the weak one in the flock, don't they? You've seen the documentaries. Yes, this king of beasts is prowling, looking for the weak member of the flock, which he will... Devour, yeah, you know, you've seen this. How does he do it? Remember, how does he hunt? How does he get the weak one? It's in the flock, what is it, how does he do it? He knows what, what we doing, yeah, what does he do though? How does he do it? He singles them out. He gets the weak one and he, and he separates them from the flock and gets them on their own. That's what he does. I, I find that interesting because I think this is kind of what Peter's been on about a little bit. He, you've noticed he has a lot to say about the church, The church is the community that sort of brings glory to God and lives as a new people. Uh, But also the church is is kind of the safe flock, the the safety of the flock that we want to be be with, safe from the devil. Uh, We we know that the flock is changing a fair bit next year, 2016. Um, My prayer is that each of you will find a good place in a flock uh, to be safe in. Um, This is actually where the second and third commands fit in. Uh, It's about the flock. So the second command is this, it's to the elders, shepherd God's flock as the chief shepherd does. Look at me back back at verse 1. Therefore, as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of the Messiah, and also a participant in the glory about to be revealed, see that? Suffering and glory, that's what we always got with Jesus, there you go. Um, I exhort the elders among you, shepherd God's flock among you. So straight up, he's calling the elders to do the work of a shepherd. Now, obviously, that's that's most fully true of kind of um, for me and Paul and Andy and Tim with Elaine are heading off to do this kind of work as well. Um, I think it's also very true, though, of of many of us that have some kind of spiritual oversight over others. Parents, kids' church leaders, our hive leaders, all these sorts of things. This is true to some extent of them as well. They're called to do the work of, of a shepherd. Keep feeding the flock on the true grace of God. Keep, keep them safe from the lions. I thought it was a great moment when uh, Tim was actually just reading the Bible to us a moment ago. I thought, what a way to end your ministry at church by the bridge. Reading the Bible to the flock. That, this is your job. <laughs> Bring the Bible to the flock. Um, that, that's exactly what we're, we're talking about here. And, and I'm very thankful. I actually want to just take a moment to say, To the the hive leaders who are here, I'm very thankful uh, for your work of helping to shepherd the flock this last year. Uh, Very much appreciated by me and many of us. Thank you for doing that work. And each of these shepherds is called to do their work in a particular way, you'll notice, in verse 2. Not just do the work, but do it in a particular way. Verse 2, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but freely according to God's will. It's easy for me to make it a job. It's my job to be a shepherd. Hive leaders, it's kind of your duty. you signed up for it. But we're called to do it freely. Not for the money, verse 2, but eagerly. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Can I say being a shepherd can be hard work, can be tiring. Uh, many of you have experienced this. Many of our hive leaders said, I need a break. Kids church leaders are saying, oh, I think I'll take next year off. Because it's hard work. It is hard work. The wilderness is hard going for sheep. Bad things happen to sheep in this world. Um, And sometimes it's tiring as a shepherd to walk along with sheep who are struggling. Um, Sometimes the sheep are stupid. I'm a sheep too, so it's not just you guys. Um, You know, we're we're thirsty and hungry as sheep, and then we think, I think I'll go and eat a cactus. Do, do you know what I mean? We got, we're we're, hung, we're spiritually hungry and we chase after idols of this world. That's frustrating as a shepherd. Why are you eating cactuses, cacti, whatever? And finally, sometimes, you know, as a shepherd, you've, you've tried to put together a good meal for your sheep. They're hungry and they don't come and eat it. You know? you've prepared your study for hive group and no one turns up. It's sometimes very frustrating work being a shepherd. Why do you keep going? Why would you bother doing the work? Well, like I said at the beginning, as sheep, we've got a great future and we've got a great shepherd with us. It's the same for, for shepherds in church. We've got a great future. See verse four? When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. I feel, <laughs> I feel a bit silly reading that. I'm going to get an unfading crown of glory. How cool is that? Like, I feel quite—it's—I feel almost unreal. I feel so unworthy, but there it is. Unfading crown of glory. What other motivation do I need? I don't—I'm not convinced it's a different crown to the crown you guys are all going to receive, but I think that's even more of a motivation because you're all glorious people. You're going to be glorious. You're going to get this crown, and I get to be a shepherd for you for a little while. That's a great privilege. The second thing is this. There's the future, but also the shepherd who's with us. He's just being called, he is, he is the chief shepherd, and I'm just an under-shepherd. Many of us here are like under-shepherds of the chief shepherd. He's the one who shepherds us to start with, and he's the one who shepherded us just like this, not out of compulsion, freely. He didn't do it for any gain for himself, just eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to him, even though he's our Lord, but being an example to the flock that we might follow him. Well, we have a wonderful shepherd. He has shepherded me wonderfully, and now he calls me to shepherd others as well. So God's given us as a church, as a flock, these shepherds to, to lay the, the grace of God before us and to keep the lions away. But He's also given us each other. So that's the third command. Be humble before God and each other. Just look at verse 4 with me. Verse sorry, verse 5. My apologies. Verse 5. In the same way, you younger men be subject to the elders and all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. You know any proud people? Do you find it hard to get close to them and really know them well? The proud person's kind of like, you know, it's, it's all about me and I'm not going to really be vulnerable with you and let, let you know the real me. I'll just project what I want to project. The proud person is hard to get to know and really feel like you can engage with them properly. You get this kind of unrealness. For a sheep, being in a proud flock is not a very safe place. But humility allows us to draw together. Humility says it's not actually about me. You know what? I'm not all that wonderful. I've got nothing to hide. I can be humble. I can let you in to the real me. You know, when you're all alone as a sheep or you're in a proud flock um, and hard times come, you feel like you're all alone because no one's being real with you and showing you that actually they go through the same things. But when you're together in, in a humble flock, You're able to share those things. You know you're not alone. A sheep can feel safe in a humble flock. And so my question is, how do we we be a humble flock here or next year at 5.30? How do we do that? And I think the answer we get here is we start by being humble before God. If you're humble before God, you'll be humble before each other as well. So so look with me at verse 6. The next verse, reading on verse 6 Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your care on him, because he cares about you. There's a real invitation here to come before God with complete humility and honesty. Just cast your cares upon him. God, I am just a sheep. God, I'm not that important. God, I'm not really that capable of doing this whole life thing and following you. I need your help. That's the humble sheep approaching God. It's a scary thing being humble because you're saying, it's not all about me. And you're saying, you know, I can't do this thing. But again, we're given great motivation to do this, to be humble before God and each other. We're given a glimpse of the future and we're told about the character of our shepherd. Look with me about at our future in verse 6. It says, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time. Friends, if you strain in this world to lift yourself high in the eyes of people, you'll be brought low. But if you're humble, God's promises... He will lift you higher than you can even get your head around. I mean, have you ever been in a situation where, um, you know, you've done something good at work or something, and you've been singled out for public praise? Anyone experienced that? Maybe you're going back to school days when you got an award or something like that. You know, it's a good feeling. It feels good, doesn't it? To be kind of honored by people. Imagine being exalted by God. I mean, can you imagine that? This is our future. We don't deserve it. It's all the more reason for humility. But then, the other thing, that's the future thing, but the other thing is the character of our shepherd. Verse 7 is beautiful. Verse 7 is the simple, beautiful words about our shepherd. Verse 7, casting all of your care on him. Because he cares about you, I know some of you are not like in real happy places in life at the moment. Um, some of you at that, that, that moment on the journey that 's really barren and' it's not looking good at all, and you can very much doubt that the shepherd actually cares about you um, i don 't know how to say this other than he does. Yeah. <laughs> we see it all the way through the gospel, and here 's the promise he actually cares about you, where you're at. And one day, he's going to exalt you higher than you can imagine. Well, friends, that's the walk of the sheep. That's our walk. Rescued, brought into the flock. The shepherd is with us together, leading us through whatever might come before us, uh, onward to glory. I know that can be tiring, can be tiring walking after the shepherd in, in this life. Um, But but Peter finishes with his great promise for weary sheep. See it in verse 10? We'll just finish with this in verse 10. Now the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. As I said, I know many of you are in barren places in life at the moment, you really need this strengthening and establishing and the supporting. It's coming personally at the hands of your Savior. He's not going to outsource this. You know, the nail-scarred hands of the Lord Jesus are going to personally restore you and establish you after you've suffered a little while. Not just kind of wrap you up like a little lamb, kind of this, I get this picture when I read this bit. He's going to like pick me up like a little, a little lamb and wrap me up with a bandage and, and lay me gently down this is lovely, and I think it's probably true, but that's not what he's saying here. He's saying he's going to make you strong and alive and secure and firm and run, my sheep, live. This is kind of a glorious way of ending. Strong, and that's right, isn't it? He has called us to his eternal glory. That's our future, and so Peter wants us, brothers and sisters. He wants. He wants you to stand firm in the true grace of God. He wants the shepherds to keep on laying that true grace of God before the sheep. Keep going, shepherds. He wants us to stand with our wonderful, caring shepherd every day. He wants us to stand humbly with each other as well and then keep our eyes on the shepherd and keep walking on, one foot in front of the other until he returns, until he brings us to his glory. We're going to actually uh, reflect on this by singing about that time when the Lord Jesus returns and uh, brings us to glory. I'll invite the band to jump up and I'll pray for us and then we'll sing. Father God, we want to thank you so much uh, that you value us so. Um, We don't really know why that is, um, but we thank you. We thank you so much for rescuing each one of us Thank you that you care for each one of us. I thank you that you are uh, our shepherd. Thank you for giving us each other. I thank you for giving us uh, shepherds uh, in the church. And Father, we so thank you that you are calling us towards glory, and you're keeping us for that as well. And so we commit ourselves into your hands and pray that you help us always to remain with our shepherd. Amen.